Well, my name's, my name's Mike Howell. If you don't know me, I'm, I'm Ashley's dad. And um, so it's a privilege to be here with you this morning. And um, so I've been, uh, been a disciple for about 30, 33 years. I got baptised in the Sydney Church of Christ. Um, I've been involved in that church uh, mostly there, a little bit of time in Melbourne, a, a year and a half in Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea, uh, working for the church in for Hope. Um, my, my wife Bronwyn will be here in a couple of months um, basically I've, we've, we've, we've my, my mum uh, had a major stroke about six months ago she lives over in Nottinghamshire and uh, so it's a difficult situation we've decided to move back to help out with the family and um, I've been, I'm staying at the moment living over in New with my parents it's been a terrific well, really it's been a great week just to be there and to love my mum and to help out my mum and my dad and myself washed my mum's hair two days ago, and that was, uh, it worked quite well actually, I think. <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not going to get hired by any hairdressers soon, but, but it was just, it was just, it just means so much to me to be able to be there and, and, and take care of my mum. You know, who took care of me for 21 years before I went to Australia for 30 whatever years it was, a long time. Anyways, but, um, so we've, um, my wife Bron will be here in about two months. She's applying for a spouse visa. Never mind the fact we've been married for, for, for 30, 30, 30 years. Um, I have some slides actually. I should show you the slides. Now this is not the same clicker that you gave me. No. I'm getting my head around all the technology here. Oh, it was there. Go back one. So that's me. That's, um, so on the right hand side is my son Jack. Uh, we adopted him, he's from the Philippines and he's just finished high school and he's about to start university uh, this year um, he's a disciple of Jesus and he'll be going into the campus ministry uh, smiley face in the front is Brooke uh, she's also a disciple and she's in the uh, professionals ministry in Sydney she's working as a full time nurse my wife is in the back there, thumbs up she hates this photo but she's not here so she can't stop me from using it <laughs> And so she'll be here once the visa comes through because never mind the fact I'm born and bred, I'm from Derbyshire, I was born in the town of the Crooked Spire. Uh, both my daughters have British passports, but so that doesn't mean an awful lot anyway. <laughs> so, and obviously, there's no other daughter who you know, Ashley. <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> Could you that one again? <laughs> I love it. Ice is wonderful. She's awesome. <laughs> and um, that's me and my wife. So that, that photo was taken in New Zealand only a few weeks ago. We were in, we were in New Zealand to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. Oh. And uh, so it was a fantastic time. And um, I'm hoping she arrives. <laughs> <laughs> that is the plan that she turns up. <laughs> Let's just let them pray. Anyway, well, we've gone too far. So, um, Scott asked me if I could uh, preach this morning and do something on building a personal relationship with God. There's nothing on this earth more important than that. Your relationship with God. It's the only thing that goes through past this life. It's the only thing. You know, as we start off 2019, you know, what, 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 what better? It's, it's not just a resolution. I, I wouldn't call it, a, I'd call it a determination. A determination to build a closer relationship with God. And it's something that I, I have a passion for and uh, I desire greatly and it doesn't always go well, which is why we're looking at Genesis chapter 12, if you want to turn there please, to look at some things we might be able to learn 
about building our relationship with God from the life of Abraham and Sarah. I want to call them Abraham and Sarah because it's easy to get around rather than Ab- Abram and Sarai. It slows me down every time. But I, just, I thought we'd look at two quick things. Um, and by the way, it's, it's, it's my mum's birthday, so as soon as this service is over, we've, we've got to go uh, back to Newark because it's a long way and we're supposed to be there for lunch. I also want to apologise for my attire. I had a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> Kind of a hard thing to do because I don't have that many clothes. Certainly not now because I've just come from Australia. But I put my best Sunday trousers on and they were split right down the middle. <laughs> not good. I, I honestly thought Ashley would just, on the spot, just sew them up. She said, no. No, there wasn't time. So I've got my old jeans on. Sorry. Anyway. And you put No. No. So, two, two points. So, first point: don't. We're going to read about. Don't, don't do what Abraham did. But if you do, then do what he did. He, he's a great example of repentance. Yeah, we, we all mess up. We all mess up. So the, the issue is, what do we do once we have? Well, we do what he did. Great example. And the second point is, God is not the one who lets go. Let's read um, Genesis chapter 12 from the beginning. The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abraham travelled through the land as far as the site of the great church Moray in Shechem. Uh, at that time the Canaanites were in the land and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt he said to his wife Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Say you are my sister, so I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abraham arrived in Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and said, And and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abraham well for her sake, Abraham acquired sheep, cattle, male and female donkeys, ser- maid- men servants and maid- maid servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham, What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then go, here is your wife, take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abraham to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. 
So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold, and he had a very angry wife. (laughs) (laughs) From the Negev he went... From the Negev he went to, from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. You know, God, God, God has a plan for Abram's life, and God, God start, Abram starts off so faithfully. You know, he's, 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 he's 75 years old. He's been told to go to a place, he's, never, there's no, he's got no idea what's there. There's no, there's no technology to, 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 to research or find out where this place is, who is there, or anything. So he's a tremendously faithful guy, and off he goes, and, and things, things start off okay. You know, he, he goes there, he checks the land out, he, he, he builds an altar, he worships God, and he travels some more, and then there's a famine. And there's no, there's no ignoring a famine, is there? The famine is severe. He has to do something about that. He has to make a decision. Well, obviously, all the people of the land are affected by this famine. And most likely, it's a bit of just, just kind of um, elaborating here, maybe, but quite possibly it's not the first famine they've had. And quite possibly the locals know what to do. And quite possibly the plan is, well, when, when you have a famine there, where do you go? You go to Egypt. So it's quite possible that what Abraham started to see was all, all his neighbours are all heading south to Egypt. Hey, that's a good idea. That works. Well, that's what we'll do. But there's no mention in this middle section of the scriptures about Abraham asking for God's advice. There's no mention in seeking God's input. What should he do? God has sent him specifically to this land, the land of Canaan. God didn't send Abraham to Egypt. But you see, Abraham probably did what we do. He rationalized, well, hey, I'm only, I'm only going to Egypt temporarily. I'm going to go there briefly, then I'm going to come back. So what's the big deal? What is, what, is, what is clear from the text is that Abraham knew something about Egyptian culture. And that there could be a bit of a problem with his beautiful wife. And so he hatches this plan to basically, you know, set up a scenario. Well, in actual fact, Sarah was his half-sister. But, but she was his wife. But he clearly did not think it through carefully enough because Pharaoh decides he likes her. And when Pharaoh decides he likes something, guess what? That's what Pharaoh gets. And now Abraham is in a completely impossible situation. But he's getting lots of nice gifts and goodies because that also was the culture. Because what's going on now is that, is that, is that Pharaoh sees, sees, sees Abraham as, as, as the one who's going to be giving away his sister in marriage. So Abraham gets all, all the goods. He gets all, all, the, all, all the gifts. Where, where's Sarah? Well, she's in the harem being prepared for this wedding to this guy. She probably doesn't really... Well, maybe she does want to marry him after what Abraham did. That might be a better plan. She might be ticked off. I'm sure she was ticked off. But it was going to take many months because also part of the culture was to make sure she wasn't pregnant. So there's a long passage of time for Abraham to really be like stressing out what on earth am I going to do? He has no way out of this. There's nothing he can do. 
I mean, maybe he could do a stealth, stealth, you know, go into the home at night and find Sarah and run off into the desert with his cat. I don't know, but he really was in a mess. Mm-hmm. You see, what, what started out as such a reasonable idea of his own turned into a major crisis and it was generated by self-made decisions. And then amazingly, and this is the best part of, the, of that passage, is, is what God does, mm-hmm. is that God intervenes. God intervenes and Abraham heads back to where he started and gets back to the, the promised land, the land of Canaan. Well, what can we learn from this? Point number one, don't do what Abraham did, but if you do, then do what he did. What does that mean? It means that Abraham messed up. Abraham made, made some decisions based on his own thinking, on, on his own fears. And he was fearing for his life. I, don't, I mean, he was obviously fearing for his life, as he says, but had it crossed his mind what that, where that might put his wife Sarah? Yeah. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that appears right to be right, but in the end it leads to death. You know, in that situation, what was going to happen was the death of his marriage. It, it, was, it was going to be over. It was going to be an absolute crisis for him. But you know, here's the thing. Abraham wasn't perfect. He had his spiritually bad days, as we do. But his life is an example of a repentant life. And that's what makes it worth looking at. We've all made poor choices at times in our lives and suffered the consequences. We've all faced challenging situations that we, didn't, we probably didn't even necessarily bring about ourselves and left trying to make decisions dealing with that and deal with all our emotions and everything's going on inside and at that point if you're like me it's a struggle to simply say hey I'm returned to God seek God's advice in this situation whatever it is see it doesn't have to be something big like a famine quite often for me it's small everyday situations little things and how do I respond how do I react do I turn to God at that point or do I turn to my own thinking you know, you've got to ask yourself, what, is, you know, what does a great relationship with God look like? What is it? Well, I think it's someone who faithfully obeys God, especially in trying circumstances. It's someone who, 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 who demonstrates a deep trust, putting God's word and God's will over and above their own. But that's clearly not what Abraham did in this situation. And yet Romans chapter 4 calls him the father of our faith. And so clearly, repentance is a key essential building block to building your relationship with God because that's what Abraham did so let's, let's don't, don't do what he did you know, don't, don't mess up in the first place but when we do, because we do then repent like he did and get back to God I've found in my life that many times it, it's, it's that journey back it's that, it's that time of repentance that helps me become more aware of, of my life and my own weaknesses and actually helps me build it's an amazing thing you know how God does that God turns things that are bad into something good you know he doesn't want he doesn't want us to go off track but when we repent so often that can lead to, to, to spiritual growth and a better understanding of how, how, how you know how am I doing for me most of this stuff is about relationships yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not I, don't, I haven't faced a famine I, mean, it's, I, just, I do thank God every day there's always been food in the fridge because my wife buys it and I buy it sometimes <laughs> we're, um, so we're, ba- we're both moving over here my wife and, and, and so my, my, t- my son who just turned 19 
he'll be he'll be he'll be in a brothers we're gonna organise a brothers flat for him. So believe we're gonna cover the brothers in the church. So it's gonna be quite quite amusing for us to, to, to chat. Hey, how's it going? And as as he learns how to go to the shops and deal with the fact there's no milk in the fridge or there's no bread or by the internet, he's gotta pay for his own internet. Oh, <laughs> He's going to face some challenging issues in his life. Tell us more. Oh, love it. Keep going, man. He's a great guy. He'll go. It's, it's actually a tremendous time for him to, to grow and to learn and do well. But, um, you know, I remember a time in my life, as, as uh, I became a Christian when I was 25. I was a single guy and I was working engineering and um, I was working, you know, normal job five days a week. And, um, and when I lived in Sydney... Uh, where I lived, the, the, the Bible talk was in one direction, a long way. Basically, I, was, I had to travel a fair bit to get to the meetings. And uh, remember one, remember one. I think it was a Wednesday night. I can't remember. It was a Bible talk night, and I, I, I felt tired. And we all feel tired at times. I thought I was actually. I had no idea what tired was then, because I was single. I didn't have children. I know. I know what tired is now. I wasn't tired. I thought I was tired. Anyway. I decided, look, I wasn't going to go. I was going to, I was going to give Bible talk a miss. I was going to give it a miss. I was tired. You know, it's been a long day. You know, I'm just going to give it a miss. But I, I, I had a bit of a guilty conscience. So, so I rang, um, if you know Mike Fontner. Mike Fontner leads the church. He was leading the church there then and he is now. Um, I rang, his, I rang his, his, his phone because there was a landline back then. Anyway, his wife, Tess, picks up the phone. I thought, okay. So, so I said, look, I'm, you know, I'm feeling very tired. I'm thinking of not, not going to the meeting tonight. And <laughs> this is like, this is many, many, many years ago. I still remember the conversation. She says, well, bro, I think you should go. <laughs> pause. Long pause. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Anyway, I did. So I thought, okay, I think she's right. So, it was amazing. I think it was a kind of a turning point in my life because you know we, we get we, we make decisions we make what simple it seems like a reasonable decision well I'm tired mm-hmm. look, look only you know what your thresholds are only you know your situation with your health and all, everything else is going on only you really know that mm-hmm. but we've got to be honest with ourselves mm-hmm. in, those, in those times mm-hmm. and I have to be honest with you, I was just being lazy I, there was no real problem getting in my car and getting there. I just, I just was tired, so I thought I'd just give it a miss. But you know what, the human nature, with that, well then, it becomes a habit. Yeah. Very easily. Yeah. And the Bible does say, let us not give, give a meeting together as someone in the habit of doing, Hebrews. It never happened again. That was it. Never, never, I never had that issue again in 33 years. Just, just attend everything. I want to be there because I know when I get there I love it yeah. it works but it's so easy to, to make decisions on your own thinking yeah. that put you somewhere which can actually be killing your relationship with God rather than building it yeah. so let's be like Abraham let's make sure that if we do go off, go, go off track we get back quickly point number two God is not the one who lets go you know God God intervened and rescued Sarah and I think actually God actually rescued Sarah more than Abraham <laughs> but I love that term, I love the passage that Derek read earlier in the, in the communion he says in that Ben Judah it talks about says that, that God says we are his treasured possession we are his treasured possession and um, what does God do so, I mean, it's, it's Abraham's responsibility it's, it's, Abraham caused this thing to happen but this is what God does 
in Genesis 12, 17, but the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. Uh, and there must have been some communication as well because, Sarah, because Pharaoh really knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. What have you done to me? Why, did you tell me she was your, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? And so it goes on. And then, and then Abraham heads off with his wife and Evan. He's got a lot more stuff now. <laughs> He's also got a lot more stuff going on in his marriage as well. He's going to have to do it with. <laughs> so why, why, does, why does God intervene? Well, I mean, you know, well, you've messed up. I told you what to do and you messed up. You caused this. You're on your own. You're fired. <laughs> I'm going to find somebody else. God is never the one who lets go. Boy, he certainly sorted it out. Well, Pharaoh, I mean, it wasn't Pharaoh's. Well, I mean, he was being a bit, bit selfish, wasn't he? A bit, bit powerful, and whatever Pharaoh's alive, they just bit, thinks he's got it all together. Well, he got a slap that day, didn't he? You know, God has already intervened in our lives because we were in an impossible situation. We were lost with no hope of being saved apart from the grace of Jesus. And, you know, I think, but how much do we really hold on to that? How much do we really believe verses like this? I mean, do we true? I mean, we know it. But do we really practice this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, graciously give us all things. God is never the one that lets go. But how often do we, on a daily basis, where there's a bit of a tiff, a bit of an upset, a bit of a problem, you know, do, 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 we, do we let go? Because when we let go, then it's hardly helping us build that relationship that God wants to have with us. See, I think sometimes we do what, what Abraham did on his way back. Because in chapter 13, verse 3, it talks about what Abraham actually did. He comes back up and he goes to place to place before he gets back to the altar and worships God. And I think sometimes we can do this. There are various places we can go. There's, there's, one, there's a place called excuse making. Yeah. Ever been there? Yeah. Yeah, excuse making, not my fault. Well, it was, it, it was the famine. I didn't, you know, if the famine hadn't happened, Sarah... <laughs> There's a place called self-pity. There's another place called doubt. I have messed up again. God is finished with me. There's a place called blame shifting. There are all kinds of these places. These kind of places where we can go. And they're all negative. Whenever I have a disagreement with my wife, which honestly is not that often, praise God, I go to this place called Wounded Town. Okay? I go and visit Wounded Town because I feel hurt. Because sometimes her tone of voice kind of—it's kind of interesting. She doesn't have to do much. Wow. I think it's because we love each other so much. You know, you're very sensitive. People you love, you're you're sensitive to to who they are and how they come across. I I, I think that's what it is. But I I, honestly, I get so easily wounded, and and I go to this place, this wounded place. They're, They're not good places to be, as you know. And the scary thing is, you know what, if you spend too much time there, you know what happens? You meet other people there with similar problems. Yeah? Oh, it really gets going then. Oh yeah, we can really have a good old negative time. 
We, we don't need to stand up. See, Abram didn't, he went from place to place, but he ended up back where he started and he called on God, where his altar was. And Abram built that altar and he worshipped God there. God's calling us to build something. You know, an altar of salvation. That altar is his church. His church is a place where it's the only, it's the only thing in this world where there's any life. Really, I've been doing this for 33 years. I'm totally convinced now. There's nothing else out there. Yeah. It's, just, it's, all, it's just shallow. Yeah. Coming this morning, there's a whole bunch of guys down the park practicing their soccer. There's, 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 there's people on the push bikes riding their bikes. There's people walking their dogs. That's all good stuff. Yeah. But if God is not the centre, right. what are you going to end up with? Well, is that it? Yeah. Is that all there is? Yeah. Wow. You know, let's, let's, as, as disciples, the challenge for us is we know all of that, but sometimes we can get a bit caught up in these other places. The quicker you can be at leaving those places, that self a place, a, a place of self pity or excuse making or whatever it is that you do, the quicker you get out, the sooner you get back to God and you can build that relationship with God and keep on going. And I'm, I'm, I love the fact that every time I do mess up, I know that when I repent, I can look back at it and I can learn something from it. Mm-hmm. So it turns out to be something good anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't deliberately mess up to do that, by the way. <laughs> God would not let go of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And God will not let go of you. Mm-hmm. He is not the one that ever lets go. Let's make sure we're not letting go of him. It would have been very easy for Abraham to make a bunch of excuses and there's nothing in there. It's sil- the, the, the scripture is silent. He just moves on. And that's what we need to do. Whether you're 14 year olds or 74, we all face challenging issues in our lives sooner or later and difficult decisions to make. At that point, are we saying to ourselves, what does God want me to learn from this? How can my relationship with God grow through this? You know, if you're facing a difficult issue in your life right now, big or small, are you viewing that problem as something you want to go away or as an opportunity to grow in your faith? On, See, one is the way of the world. The way of the world, I just want the problems to go away when gone. Yeah. The other one is to build faith. Yeah. I've, had the, I've had the privilege of, of raising an adopted teenage boy. And it hasn't felt like a privilege quite often. It's been quite challenging quite often. But what I've learned through it is, is just the value of relationships and the value of leaning in to a relationship when things are challenging. Because it's so easy when you get at odds with each other. Because there are times where we really, I really did not even want to be in the same room. We just were not getting on well. He was, he was doing things deliberately and I would react badly because of my sinful nature. So between the two of us, it got into a mess. Mm-hmm. And it was so easy at that point for me to say, well, I'm just going to just walk away. I'm just going to allow distance to occur between me and, and my son Jack. Mm-hmm. And then through, through, through some helpful discipling and advice from various other disciples and through the scriptures, I realised... But at those very points, I need to build my relationship with Jack, to lean in, 
I got this crazy piece of advice from Mohan Nanjan because I rang him up. I know Mohan from over many years, and uh, and he said to me, he said to me, "Have you tried praying with with with, with his son?" I'm like, praying. <laughs> I want, to, I want to smack him. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a good answer. So, because I, I really, I respect Mohan a lot. Okay. Yep. That's right. Give it myself. Well, I'm going to have to give it a go now. <laughs> so I did. So some mornings I drive him to school, and, and I remember one morning I said, "Well, hey, how about we pray together?" Yeah, I said, "Sure." And it worked. I can't explain it, but it worked. And, and over time, we now have a great. We, well, our friendship is now really on track. I really feel great about Jack. He seems to feel great about me, and we're really moving forward. It's growing, and through that, it's really taught me a lot about God. You know, God, God, God's not the one that lets go. I don't want to be the one that lets go, and I certainly don't want to be the one that lets go of God. You know, so and remember, in conclusion, you know, these are two points in for today. Um, Bear in mind this relationship we're talking about here is two-way. I hope it crosses your mind about what kind of relationship God wants to build with you. What, what kind of, God wants to build a great relationship with you. God's not interested in mediocre relationships. He wants a great relationship with you. We know that's, if you don't if you don't actually believe that, then you don't understand the gospel. Jesus, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so you could be forgiven. So he truly wants to have a great relationship with you and me. I hope that these points have been helpful to you this morning. Let's let's learn from Abraham and Sarah. Let's let's be the one. Let's be. Let's really strive to 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 draw closer to God through challenge because we're all going to face challenging times. And uh, to God be the glory. Amen.